we just got to be optimistic about it. When you're dealing with nature, it could all change overnight. And uh, maybe get some warm weather and get into March, you could have the farm-raised crawfish come out. The cost of production has went up because labor costs in the fields this year went up almost about maybe 7 to 10% between the production costs and inflation and everything else. We want to see them get a fair price on their crawfish. And then we hopeful that we continue getting rain up north that could help us continue the production all the way into June and July with the wild crawfish because sometimes we need the wild crawfish to stock the ponds for next year's production and the farm-raised crawfish. So it's all entangled together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm Carl Wiggers. And today, Avery Davidson sits down with Andy Brown of Louisiana Farm Bureau and Bill Pizzolatto, business owner in Baton Rouge. And we're talking all about crawfish today. Avery has a great conversation about the weather and markets and how they're all changing constantly and the effects that's going to have on the farmers who raise the crawfish. And for us consumers, we'll be enjoying them right about now. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. Crawfish is always a hot topic in Louisiana, but the problem is it is getting cold. We've had uh, quite a rough time with the crawfish season so far this year. Joining me now is Andy Brown. He's the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation and the Public Pod- Policy and Commodity Director over crawfish. Andy, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, good to be here. And then Bill Pizzolatto, who is a member of the Louisiana Crawfish Promotion and Research Board and also owns Tony Seafood here in Baton Rouge. Bill, thanks for joining us on the podcast as well. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, Crawfish season 2024 is not looking too good, Bill. What are you seeing as uh, someone who buys crawfish directly from the farmers here in Louisiana, but also sells them to consumers? Well, it's starting to come to a little rough start. Um, And it's all due to the drought that we had and the extreme heat that we had in 2023. But um, like most of the years in the past, we'll start off the mid-November to latter part of November with crawfish. And at this time of the year, we're getting 30, 40, 50 sacks a day. But we've had a lot of wet years. But this year, because of the drought and the heat, it's, it's kind of changed the whole dynamics going forward. How much are you seeing? How much, if you were to buy, because right now you're not even selling crawfish at Tony's, right? The quality is not there. They, the fish, the, the farmers catching two or three sacks, four or five sacks, maybe every day, every other day. So everybody, we, we stay in touch with them. They got them available, but the quality is so poor and the price are extremely high and prices I've never seen. And we've been in it over 50 years that uh, it's just not worth to buy to give to the consumer because they're not going to be satisfied with it. Yeah. When you say quality, you're talking about size. Size and, uh, and, and even the volume and the price. So, you know, you got three things. It's, uh, it's just availability is not there. Uh, we're being optimistic. Uh, hopefully it's going to change within, I think it's going to be three or four weeks, maybe into the beginning of March, maybe mid-February to, to the beginning of March before we see the production pick up enough to where it'd be affordable to the customer and, uh, and really where the farmer can come out and make money in order to catch them. I just want to jump on the quality thing real quick. It's something that I've learned getting more into crawfish, uh, North Mississippi hillbilly that I am. You know, people think, a lot of times that when you see if even if you're 
sort of into crawfish and you see the traps being pulled out of a field, that everything in that trap is going into your sack. That's not usually the case. A lot of crawfish farmers uh, have got, gone to extra measures to help grade crawfish, to help let the smaller ones fall out so that they can have a more consistent product to take to a Tony Seafood or to whoever their buyer is to ensure that that consumer wants to come back and wants to continue to buy those crawfish. So uh, if if more were available, there wouldn't be any uh, issue with um, how they taste or you know it just would be not that desirable live crawfish that you want to have a, a boil and everybody get a even share of tail meat. And let's also talk a little bit about price because right now, uh, Bill, before we started recording, you told me that, you know, some of the folks you know are getting paid $8 a pound for crawfish. And that that sounds good. I mean, getting an $8 price for a pound of crawfish would be really good for a crawfish farmer. But without volume, that doesn't matter, does it? Well, if the farmer is getting around $8 a pound and he's catching only two sacks or three sacks, it's not worth his time. It's not worth the, the bait, putting them in a trap and a labor. It, nobody's making any money. The farmer much rather would have uh, a lot more volume and give the consumer an affordable price to where everybody would be happy. And with that would come with the size. But um, right now, uh, if by the time the farmer pays, a, uh, a, it paid the farmer $8 a pound, by the time they get to market, with the few sacks available, it'd be almost nine or ten dollars a pound. So you're seeing crawfish right now on the market for anywhere between twelve to fifteen dollars a pound for quality that's probably smaller than your little finger, and it's just not the the, the quality that we we want. So it's gonna come. We just gotta be a little bit more patient. And this freeze is gonna that's coming next week is definitely gonna throw us back a couple more weeks because. What we need is 15 to 20 days of sunshine as well as some rain and to, to, pr to promote the growth. The water's got to warm up so they come out of a, a, a bisp laying there and start feeding and they go through a couple molts and then you're going to see the quality change pretty quickly. Yeah, and we need to look at, you know, to a consumer, if I go to buy two or three sacks, especially at 12 to $15 a pound, that's real money to me. You know, that's that's crazy money for crawfish. So from the farmer side, you have to understand what Mr. Bill's saying here is the amount of um, money you have to spend. You have labor that has come in that you hire just for crawfish season uh, that have to run thousands of traps a day and what you would hope would return hundreds of sacks of crawfish are all those expenses are only adding up to a couple of sacks maybe uh, for those that are lucky there's many that either aren't fishing right now or have uh, delayed hiring uh, their labor that they normally would have brought in by now because they're just simply not there they're not um and that's the kind of the big question right now is are they going to be there? How? What were the impacts that this drought has uh, on our reproduction, on our stocking that occurred uh, last fall? Um, we're hopeful that that things will start turning if we get some warmer temperatures. Uh, but right now, as Mr. Bill said, patience is key. And it's I know for consumers, it's tough to be patient because we've got an early Mardi Gras this year, which means an early Easter. So the Lenten season is where you have your prime demand for crawfish in South Louisiana. But talking to Mark Shirley, whenever I was over in Vermilion Parish, he was saying, you know, it's not going to be until late March, early April that some of the crawfish he was finding in 
uh, Adler Stelly's ponds are going to be ready to, for harvest. And if you have this freeze next week that delays things even more, it's going to be really tough to to be able to sit through and say, you know what, this this Mardi Gras, this Lenten season, no crawfish, man. That's going to really, that's a cultural blow. Uh, you know, for, for a guy who grew up in South Louisiana, that's a cultural blow. Well, I assure you that if, uh, if Adler or any farmer had uh, the crawfish there to supply, they would love to supply it. And not even, you know, $8 a pound on the dock, you know, crawfish farmer can survive at a lower price than that. It's just simply they can't meet the demand uh, that's out there. And crawfish is not, um, is not soybeans. It's not corn. You don't plant a seed and, you know, expect uh, to know your yield. There's a lot more uh, mystery to it. This is an animal. Uh, there's reproduction habits. There's feeding habits. There's a lot that go into it. And it all just happens to occur underwater where it's tough to manipulate. So a lot of this is trying to harness nature in a year where nature is dealt an incredibly difficult hand. Uh, we kind of jumped into it, but this, I mean, this drought is is of extreme um, unprecedented, you know, record for our state. Uh, the heat, there's a lot of questions that we're asking of Swarm Bureau to our scientists that it's, it's difficult to even get an answer on because they haven't had these conditions to get out there and study what happens to a crawfish. How long will it take for them to get out and start feeding? And when they do, do they have uh, the little baby crawfish uh, still surviving to, to be out there uh, to grow into a sizable uh, crawfish to catch? So just a lot of unknowns. And let's talk about some of the other challenges that are facing the crawfish farmers in terms of it's not just a lack of production, a lack of volume that's out there, but it's also increased input costs with inflation, labor costs. Because even if you don't bring in your H-2A labor, you still had to pay for all their applications. You still have to pay a certain minimal amount. And if you choose not to bring them in, I was talking to Natasha Stelly about this, you know, there is a disaster provision to where, you know, you choose not to bring in that labor, but there's still a lot of cost there. Diesel's high. Uh, so whether you get two sacks of crawfish running a thousand traps or 200 sacks running a thousand traps, you've spent the same amount of money. $8 a pound ain't going to make up that difference. And as a consumer, you have to understand supply and demand there, right? I mean, Bill, that's that that determines every price that that we deal with. It does. Uh, a lot of them try to bring the H two A visas in, and they had to send them back because if you don't have any production, you still have to pay them a percentage of what they normally make, whether you have produce any crop or not. So a lot of them is not going to come in until maybe. Uh, they, especially after this freeze, I think they're going to delay them to sometime maybe late January or sometime into mid-February because, um, and it's not just, you know, we're we going to also lose probably about 50,000 plus acres of production because of um, saltwater intrusion in some of the areas in South Louisiana, meaning that that's water is, is the source per, per million is just too much for the rice as well as the salt. So they, then they worry about food supply is once they start fishing, like we said, is it going to be able to produce enough crawfish uh, from the drought that we don't, the unknown is what really is the scariest part. And for you as a retailer, I mean, 
that's got to be scary for you because that's probably a big part of your business going into the Lenten season. It is. We don't just have the Lenten season. We have Super Bowl Sunday coming up. We have on just the Lenten season, we have Valentine's Day, the same day as the Lenten season starts. So it's just going to be slim pickings, I, I, I think, unless we have some divine intervention, which we need the warm weather, 15 or 20 days to, to maybe, and some rain and the growing conditions where they can go through the moat. But um, it's going to be a little challenging and uh, we just got to pray and hope for the best. Andy, let me go ahead and turn to you. Obviously, in times of uh, disaster, in times when things are, are tough for agriculture and aquaculture, folks turn to Louisiana Farm Bureau as the voice of Louisiana agriculture. What What is Farm Bureau doing right now to try and at least get things prepared for what could be a disaster? Well, we've been working on crawfish disaster programs for a number of years. Uh, we had some success in 2021, just making them eligible for a standing disaster program, the Emergency Livestock Assistance Program. Uh, Ron Harrell, my predecessor, uh, many of our crawfish leaders, the first hurdle was just to get USDA nationally to understand that crawfish is a livestock uh, farmed species, that it's not a crayfish that lives in a creek uh, that you put on your hook to catch a bass. Uh, that was a, a long time hurdle, but uh, to not go too far back, uh, 21, we had a, a tough freeze, uh, winter storm Yuri, if I remember the name correctly. Uh, and uh, we were able, along with a lot of our other friends in the aquaculture industry, to, to push USDA to finally get us over the hump and get us into a disaster program. A lot of Louisiana crawfish farmers benefited from that program uh, in 21, um, but it was a little bit of a Wild West uh, rulemaking process um, of defining you're trying to define thousands of aquaculture species into one size fits all kind of program. Uh, so a lot of payment went out uh, without really all the rules defined. Uh, fast forward to 2022, uh, there were some cold weather snaps, uh, some freezing temperatures where some folks felt they had a loss uh, and they went back to apply for the same program and the, the parameters had changed. Uh, USDA had more time to do some of that rulemaking and decided that uh, a freeze in their book uh, when it comes to aquaculture is not 32 degrees uh, in the state of Louisiana or anywhere else in the country, uh, but that you had to get to 10 degrees Fahrenheit uh, at some point for three consecutive days. Uh, so we have real issue with that. Uh, and since that time, have been working to try to combat that with sound science, with data, with our friends at the LSU Ag Center. Uh, and we've recently, just as recent as uh, about two months ago, uh, sat down and looked at that again. So we've been preparing and working very hard um, to define some of these things in a freeze program. Uh, but the problem is uh, really the, the big issues we're seeing this year are in drought. And for aquaculture, of any sort, drought is not an eligible loss, and that's why uh, we've been working hard and have a, a wonderful friend in Congresswoman Julia Letlow, who is, uh, has put forward an idea that came uh, out of our shop to try and change that, to make drought an eligible loss. But uh, I don't know if any of our listeners have checked in on Washington, D.C. lately, but uh, good ideas are where uh, Washington, D.C. Is, is where good ideas go to die right now. Uh, our government is locked up. And uh, they, they are soon to tr truly lock up 
uh, with a government shutdown if we don't get some things moving uh, through our friend Speaker Mike Johnson. So um, that was a lot to unpack, but really where it brings us to is uh, just like patience is key for this consumer to, to hope things turn around for crawfish, um, patience is going to be key for our farmer members that are looking for a disaster program because uh, we have a lot of good things in the works. We're well ahead of just all of a sudden, hey, we had a freeze, hey, we had a problem, i.e. 2021. We're well ahead of that uh, with a lot of good ideas and a lot of data collection occurring and, and things being developed to try to combat this. But ultimately, I've been answering a lot of calls and telling a lot of people, don't make your business decisions, whether you bring your labor in, how many traps you run, how many days a week you're trying to go out there and catch these crawfish. Don't make any of those decisions thinking you have a safety net because right now you just don't. And uh, we're going to work to change that, but uh, that's where we stand today. I remember back when uh, we went through the coronavirus assistance program, um, and that was uh, a time where you were really working hard and with the LSU Ag Center and with farmers and with the Crawfish Promotion and Research Board to try and find data, to try and find out exactly what kind of harvest numbers we had. How important is it going to be for our farmers to have good records going back to their previous yields to possibly help them out with with this year. Yeah, we've been preaching that message since then. Uh, and what we found out is the folks that are legitimately in the crawfish farming business that aren't just uh, doing it for a little, you know, pocket change on the weekends. Most folks are keeping good records. Uh, we've seen a huge uptick in our certified acres going through the FSA office. Uh, for anybody out there that does feel like they're in legitimate crawfish production and they don't know what certifying acres is, uh, you need to go see your your local FSA office. Uh, you're past the deadline, but you can late file uh, those acres. So I would encourage you to do that. It comes with a little cost now. It would have been free before uh, September, but you can go in and, and late file if, if you haven't participated in things in the past. Uh, that does put you on the government's radar, though, and that does come with some paperwork and some just uh, headache that right now doesn't stand to yield you any return, but you can't. Uh, we we worked uh, exemption on that uh, one time, but that was a, a one time, we didn't know, please let us in uh, exemption. That's not going to fly this time. So you need to certify your acres. Uh, but there have been a ton of calls of people really wanting us to redo that same CFAP effort. We need to be surveying and we need uh, LSU to be aggregating numbers. Um, we don't feel it's appropriate to do that right now because we have those numbers from before. We have some things we didn't have prior to CFAP that USDA already recognizes. But for the individual and the, the chance that we do get some sort of assistance, whichever form uh, it comes in, records will be necessary. Uh, so that's, that's uh, got to have, got to do if you want to show uh, any sort of loss to the government in the future. And, and Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but you sit on the Crawfish Promotion and Research Board. Is, what, is there anything that the Crawfish Promotion and Research Board can do to, to at least try to help things move forward so that our crawfish farmers and even processors could, could get some, some help in the, in the future because of this disaster? Well, the, the Promotion Board, I'm going to tell you with the farmer, with 
Without the farmers, we basically out of business for the crawfish. The farmers are so important to this industry because it's consistent most of the time in separate year, like we're facing right now, the challenges. But with the farm-raised crawfish gives us a consistent basis to start crawfish season early and to carry us through because the way the, the wild crawfish has been in the last 10 years, production hasn't been what it used to be. Everything is silting up, it's just changing, and the, it's definitely whatever can be done, what you guys can do to help the farmer find some uh, opportunity to get some relief, it's all worth it because uh, that is dependent upon our future and for the crawfish season. And, yeah, uh, I, I would just echo, we are very work very closely with the Research and Promotion Board that makes up the whole industry. Obviously, we're the Farm Bureau, uh, and, and our crawfish committee is made up of majority farm-raised folks, but we are taking calls. I talked with Brian Bro today, uh, my department head who works on the labor side. He's been uh, very instrumental, and in our organization has, in trying to help our processors on some labor issues. Uh, the processors are calling. Uh, you don't want to hire uh, hundreds of ladies to come in and peel uh, a non-existent crawfish either. There's costs associated there. Uh, our tail meat supply and what that does to the, the overall price of crawfish. All these things for the general crawfish consumer, this is probably way over your head, but for anybody that's in the industry, just know we're we're cognizant of that. Uh, wild caught guys in the past, we've tried to help uh, with other disaster program eligibility. So much like the Research and Promotion Board is, is industry-wide. Uh, everything we're doing, uh, we are trying to help everybody any which way we can. I will throw out there, though, that uh, USDA's programs historically, not just in crawfish, cotton, rice, you name it, um, that is an agency for the farmer and disaster programs and assistance programs. Historically, 99% of them have been for for that farm level uh, producer. So that doesn't mean we won't consider options and try to find avenues for help. Uh, there's other agencies that help small businesses all the time, but um, you know, we're right now, uh, a lot of that's falling down on our farmer member and, and we're doing uh, everything we can do to try to get them some help. Well, I threw Bill a curveball. I'm throwing you a slider. Okay. okay? Um, Let's talk about the fact that many of our crawfish farmers are also rice farmers. And rice prices have been such to where the margins have been really tight. How is this going to affect cash flow for our rice farmers in terms of being able to go to the bank, to be able to get their crop loans, to be able to continue farming rice when they've been falling back on their crawfish operation as supplemental income. Yeah, we had this exact discussion. Uh, LSU Ag Center put on their Ag Outlook Forum. Um, big shout out to Dr. Mike Deliberto, put on an incredible meeting. Uh, and our good friend and Farm Bureau leader, Chad Hanks, was in the room, and he brought up this very question, uh, more so on a, what does this do to the price of rice if we have crawfish coming out early or not in crawfish at all? That stands for Louisiana's rice acres to go up uh, significantly. All that to say, uh, there were a lot of bankers in the room as well, and it doesn't matter the commodity right now with the with the drought. Uh, it it's making it tough on everybody. Uh, we we had a lot of carryover of extra debt from twenty two into twenty three, so things are tight. Um, rice prices held pretty strong, 
relatively compared to where it has been. But those same things on input costs, uh, it's just really tight margins still. So uh, we'll see how all that comes together. Uh, I think right now, though, the the hope is that some of the crawfish, you know, we're still real early and we hope mm-hmm. to see things turn around uh, and then we'll be back on here talking about how the crawfish market's flooded and the price is tanked and everybody's <laughs> mad because, you know, they're buying up peelers left and right. It's, it's, it's such a dynamic market. And that's why I've loved getting to work in crawfish because it's still, I mean, all those things I tr- tried not to sleep through in school of supply and demand. And, and this is real life um, market economics dynamics that, that play out in crawfish every year. And it's, it's a wild ride, but it's a, it's a fun and a tasty uh, industry to be a part of. Yeah, you know that whenever you go to uh, any of these meetings, you're going to have a good crawfish etouffee everywhere you go. Let's, let, we've been, or at least I feel like I've been so negative this podcast. I really don't like that. Let's let's end with some some positivity. Tony's is an establishment here in Baton Rouge that goes way back. Your father founded it. Tell me a little bit about what sets Tony's apart from other seafood places you'll find in, in Baton Rouge or in Louisiana as a whole. Well, we've been doing this for over 50 years. And one thing he taught us about was to be sure you have quality, try to have a fair price and consistency. And uh, that is why we chose right now not to bring crawfish in because it's just not ready yet. Uh, we just got to be optimistic about it. When you're dealing with nature, this could, like he said, it could all change overnight. And uh, maybe we'll get some warm weather and get into March. Uh, you could have the farm-raised crawfish come out. They, they definitely, the cost of production has went up because labor costs in the fields this year went up almost about maybe 7 to 10%. So with all that being said, between the production costs and inflation and everything else, um, we want to see them get a fair price on their crawfish. And then we're hopeful that we continue getting rain up north that could help us continue the production all the way into Ju- June and July with the wild crawfish because sometimes we need the wild crawfish to you know to uh, stock the ponds for next year's production and the farm-raised crawfish. So it's all entangled together. So you know it's just going forward. We want to be optimistic, but uh, we're gonna keep a cautious eye on it and just pray and hope that we get the rain and the temperature and the quality improves and and keeps us going. Well, I can tell you this much. I know that uh, at some point during this uh, season, when you start to get them, I'll be making that trip up Plank Road up near Evangeline, and uh, I'm going to pick up some as well and boudin balls. Have you had the boudin balls from Tony's? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're killer, man. I I, I ended up uh, devouring too many of those, especially back in my old Channel 9 days. (laughs) Well, thank you. We do have uh, some good news, and that's our congressional delegation, if there's any subject uh, that I think that they really come together on and we get to be Louisiana proud about in Washington is crawfish. And so uh, even as as soon as earlier today, I was on the phone with one of our House uh, delegation staffers who was in a meeting with House Ag Committee staffers today. Uh, and those are the uh, young men and, and young women that really push the policy needle. And he said, he told me 
you know, to joke around, but he said he saw me coming. He stopped me. And before I could tell him anything, he said, I know what you're going to say. I know it's bad in Louisiana. We've heard about it. We're working on it. So all the way uh, to GT Thompson's staff, they know uh, what's going on, not just in crawfish, but in Louisiana's drought uh, impacts across the board. Um, it's just a lot of politics in the way right now, but, uh, there's, there was some optimism on the phone the last couple of days about our good speaker, uh, trying to cut through some of this hard line stuff that's thrown our, our government process, uh, in disarray. So, um, you know, we're not passing a farm bill next week or anything like that. I'm not trying to be, uh, too, uh, high on the sunshine, but it, uh, there could be, you know, we're being heard. We're doing the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture thing that we're paid to do, and it's uh, it's going well. We just got to have a vehicle to to get it there. Oh, we're definitely blessed with great people, not just here in Washington, well, there in Washington D.C., but here in Baton Rouge. Andy Brown, National Affairs Director for Louisiana Farm Bureau. Bill Pizzolatto, owner of Tony Seafood, uh, member of the Louisiana Crawfish Promotion and Research Board. Always ask before you eat, right? Make sure it's from Louisiana. That's and so, thank y'all for joining us on the podcast. Hope to have y'all on again soon. Thank you, Avery, Bill, and Andy. If you'd like to learn more about some of the policy work that Louisiana Farm Bureau has been working on with congressional staff, I'll have a link to some of that information in the show notes of this episode. Also, if you'd like to go visit Tony's Seafood and get some Louisiana crawfish or other products, we'll have a link to learn more about them in the show notes. If you're not already, another great thing you can do while you're in the show notes is click on the link to learn more about Louisiana Farm Bureau and become a member today. That membership supports the work that we do on behalf of the farmers and ranchers across Louisiana. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again right here next week.